0: Welcome to Ebenezer Baptist Church for Sunday, December 14th, 2014. Today's message is entitled, Peace from God, by Dr. Lyle Schrag. It's based on Isaiah 26. And would you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts together might find you present, and that, Lord, you might be pleased to dwell among us and within us, and that in that, Lord, that sensing of your presence, by the power of your Spirit, we might find peace. I pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. I'm not sure if many of you have heard, but there's a little poem that's out there. It goes, Thirty days hath September, April, June, and November, but when December doth arrive... Kids can't count past 25. It's true, isn't it? Somehow the Christmas spirit doesn't really seem to hit home until children enter the scene. I'm discovering that now again uh, as I have grandchildren, as they see with wonder the Christmas trees and the lights and everything else that's going on. It's as if children bring uh, an energy and an excitement. Uh, They they have a wideness of eye and, 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 and they have Christmas pageants and everything becomes a celebration for them. And when you watch them in their costumes, uh, in their Christmas uh, pageants, you can't help but then, in your own mind, travel back to a childhood, to to simpler days uh, where, where Christmas had its wonder as well. And you might even be asking yourself the question now, wouldn't it be great to go back there in time once again? Wouldn't it be great to be able to go back to that place where the thought of the baby Jesus Uh, just warmed your heart, to press your nose against the window, just to look at the Christmas lights sparkle in the darkness, and at the end of the day to lie down under a comforter and then sleep the peaceful sleep of a child. (laughs) Some of you with children or maybe with grandchildren uh, will gaze at, 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 at the child lying in the bed and and the words of silent night may echo in your mind, holy infant so tender and mild, sleep in heavenly peace, sleep in heavenly peace. Wouldn't it be nice to go back there again? This is the season of peace. Last week, uh, that word became the theme for Christmas and, and, and that through Jesus Christ, we, we discover that we possess the peace of God, which passes all understanding, we've read about that. The scriptures speak of that. But the fact is, for many, it, 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 that's become a memory. Wouldn't it be nice to get back there once again? Throughout the Bible, uh, the word peace is found. In, in, in the Old Testament, is shalom. It, it speaks of a, of a wholeness, a wellness that defines the essence of a holy God, a sense of well-being where nothing is lacking. It's complete and utter satisfaction, shalom, that is peace. And when the prophets speak of peace, especially the prophet Isaiah, it is not just a word or some vague philosophical uh, concept. It's a promise that is then wrapped up in a person. We saw that most clearly in the promise that was declared in Isaiah chapter 9 where the prophet declares, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. You know that passage, you've heard that passage. And then the names that are given to this child. Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. Looking deep into the future That that prophet Isaiah uh, looked and saw this child, this son, who would fulfill that promise of those names, and his name was Jesus Christ. And those who know Jesus, you and I, and all who have a relationship with Jesus, know that they are not just names, but they are actually descriptions of the essence of our relationship with him. He is wonderful. He is the wisest of counselors. He is the everlasting uh, uh, Father and, and the Almighty God. And as you open the door to your heart, you find that when He steps into your life, He is the Prince of Peace. And in the words of the prophet, those words of promise, looking into the future, those are the words. But for us, On the other end of the time spectrum, looking back, it might be, in fact, something of the past, a a memory. And hearing the word peace, we may wonder, how could that be? How could that possibly be? Maybe because it's the fact that other things have crowded their way between us and this Prince of Peace. Ambition, possessions, relationships, other affections, doubts, disappointments, and even grief. It's these things that somehow drive a wedge between us and our relationship with God. And, and like a hammer, the years continue to drive that wedge deeper and deeper into our heart to the point where you can only see God from the distance. And, and Christmas becomes, as it were, a memory So that now when you look at the face of a sleeping child swaddled in the peace of God, that question begs itself. Wouldn't it be nice to get back there again if you only knew how? Many of the promises in the Old Testament were intended to prepare us for the Messiah, for Jesus. And many of those promises, in fact the bulk majority of them, are found in the book of Isaiah. There we find everything from the the virgin birth uh, announced in Isaiah chapter 7 uh, to his coming in Isaiah chapter 9, uh, to the the miracles that he would perform in Isaiah chapter 35, even to his suffering and to his death in Isaiah chapter 53. So much of the prophet Isaiah describes that sort of personal experience to be expected with a present Lord, a Savior, one whose name is Prince of Peace. And so, such an experience is also found in Isaiah chapter 26. Those who look to the prophecies of Jesus find him there in chapter 26. In chapters 24 and 25, if you have your Bibles, you might open that to chapter 26 in Isaiah. The, in chapters 24 and 25, the prophet describes conditions on earth where the whole of humanity has been taken far, far away from God. A, a place we might be find, find ourselves familiar And the immediate context of chapter 26 is of the impending defeat of Israel and the painful exile of God's people. Open the horizon from the immediate context to those two chapters. It could easily describe all of the forces that sin has has driven as a wedge between God and his people, between God and you as well, to the point where it, it, it seems almost impossible to bridge the gap. And it is at that point that God takes decisive action and destroys the barriers, bridges the abyss, and by the end of chapter uh, 25, brings his people home. And then at the beginning of chapter 26, we find that a celebration breaks out where the people who were once distant from their God finally arrive home. And in verse 1, we read these words. In that day, a song will be sung We have a strong city. God makes salvation in its walls and ramparts. Open the gates that the righteous nation may enter, and the nation that keeps faith. I want you to pause for just a moment to see a subtle but a very profound discovery here. Here is a wonderful sense of security, of peace, but it does not come from a place, the city. It comes from the presence of God. It is God's presence, the presence of a Savior that makes all the difference in what appears to be the walls and the ramparts of a city. In his commentary on Isaiah, the Old Testament scholar Gary Smith, he writes, Thus, With this verse, we will have a strong city. He will establish salvation as walls and ramparts. Becomes a confident statement of faith in God who replaces man-made physical defenses with his own presence. Let me pause for just a moment. It's almost as if these people have find themselves stepping out of the darkness and out of the wilderness of exile, and suddenly awaken them, to, awaken themselves to find themselves secure, and then find themselves thinking, "What were we looking for all along? We have had a home all along. We have had a strong city with walls and ramparts, but they are not walls and ramparts of brick and stone. They are of the presence of God." Why, the gift of God's salvation has been ours all alone. How could we have gotten so far away? And so we're coming home now, and and, and we're at the door. So open the gates. Our faith has finally awoken up. Open the gates. We are ready to enter once again. Listen, by the authority of God's word, with God the door is always open and his light is always on and you are never too far away that faith cannot lead you home and grace cannot welcome you to the warmth of his heart. And awakening to that reality, listen to the promise in verse 3. You, God, will keep in perfect peace the one whose mind is stayed on thee steadfast, because he, those who trust God, trust in you. I love the way it reads in the standard version. Thou wilt keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Perfect peace. What a What a phrase. It's something that somehow pours its way down through the essence of our mind and into our soul and it fills in the cracks that have been rendered by life itself. And it, and it, and it fills out the holes that, that, that had been eroded because of sin it, and it washes out the stains and it makes all things now finally whole. Shalom. Shalom. I want you to notice the change of the voice in that verse, in chapter 26. In verse 1, the the word is plural. It says, we have a strong city. But in verse 3, there's 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 a subtle but a profound shift. Look at verse 3. It becomes intensely personal. It goes from we to the one. Blessed is the one. It's an individual voice, which makes this verse yours. You can be the one. The door has been opened. The light is on. The invitation has been made. But entering, you stand alone face to face with God. And in that moment, you are the one who is given the opportunity to trust him. Do you see that there? Perfect peace belongs to the one who trusts God directly, personally, personally. And completely. I love the connection of the two words here the the word mind, the one whose mind, and the word steadfast, the one whose mind is steadfast. In the Hebrew, the word translated here as mind is more than just the intellectual element of humanity, your brain. The word literally means the whole frame, the form, the composition of a being. And that word steadfast literally means to be taken a hold of, wholly and completely and and supported profoundly. And that's what it means to trust in God. To abandon yourself, the whole composition of your being, into his care. God will keep, take in hand, hold with care, the one who trusts in him. And with that comes Perfect peace. You can come back to Christmas, that Christmas place once more. Not too long I was reading through a collection of Christmas stories that was published by Focus on the Family. In one entitled Christmas Lost and Found, a woman, Shirley Barksdale gave her Christmas testimony. I want you to listen to it very carefully. Uh, she began her story as she described how she and her husband had adopted a little boy only six days old, years and years ago. He was given to their care on Christmas Eve, and so they called him their Christmas boy. They adopted him after the doctors had told them that they would never be able to have children themselves, but within a year of his arrival nature surprised them and in rapid succession they had two biological children added to their home <laughs> that happens sometimes doesn't it but the christmas boy was their first and in december he had a very special role in their home only he had the expertise to select and decorate the christmas tree in her words she said he rushed the season He started his gift list before we even finished Thanksgiving. He was the one who sang the carols, for he was the one with perfect pitch. He was the Christmas boy. But on his 24th birthday, right before Christmas, right before Christmas, a car accident took his life. Leaving behind not only a mother and a father, a brother and a sister, but also a young wife and an infant daughter. As Shirley Barksdale writes, Christmas was never the same again. She and her husband moved far, far away. The young widow remarried and had a son, and both the brother and sister built lives of their own. And for 16 years, Shirley and her husband buried themselves in their grief. For 16 years. And then they, they, they retired, and, 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 and they went back to their home in Denver, Colorado. Please listen to the rest of their story. Once we were settled, she writes, we we hunkered down like two barn swallows who had missed the last migration south. While I stood staring at the snow-capped mountains one day, I heard the sudden screech of car brakes and then the impatient peal of doorbells, and there stood our granddaughter, and in the gray-green eyes and impudent grin, I saw the reflection of our Christmas boy. Behind her, lugging a large pine tree, came her mother, stepfather, and nine-year-old half-brother. They swept past us in a flurry of laughter, they uncorked the sparkling cider, and they toasted our homecoming. And then they decorated the tree and piled gaily wrapped packages under the boughs. You'll recognize the ornaments, my former daughter-in-law said. They were his, and I saved them for you. I picked out most of the gifts, grandma, said the nine year old, whom I hardly knew. When I murmured in remembering a pain that that we hadn't had a tree for well sixteen years, our cheeky granddaughter said, Well then it's time for you to shape up. They left in a whirl, shoving each other out the door, but not before asking us to join them in the next morning for church, and then dinner at their home. Oh 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 we can't, I began. You sure can, ordered our granddaughter, as bossy as her father had been. (laughs) I'm singing a solo, and I want to see you there. Bring earplugs, advised her nine-year-old brother. (laughs) We had long ago given up the poignant Christmas services, but now, under pressure, we sat rigid in the front pew, fighting back tears. Then it was solo time, and our granddaughter swished. Her father would have swaggered to center stage, and in and the magnificent voice soared clear and true in perfect pitch. She sang "Oh, Holy Night," which brought back bittersweet memories. And in a rare emotional response, the congregation applauded in delight. How her father would have relished that moment. We had been alerted that there would be a whole mess of people for dinner, but 35 (laughs) assorted relatives filled every corner of the house. Small children, noisy, exuberant. They seemed to bounce off the walls. I could not sort out who belonged to whom, but it didn't really matter. They all belonged to one another, and they took us in, and they enfolded us in joyous camaraderie. We sang carols in loud, off-key voices, saved only by the amazing soprano of our granddaughter, Sometime after dinner, before the winter sunset, it occurred to me that a true family is not always one's own flesh and blood. It is the climate of the heart. I love that phrase. Had it not been for our adopted son, we would not now be surrounded by caring strangers who would help us hear the music again. Music we thought we had never, would never hear. Later, not yet ready to give up the day, our granddaughter asked us to come along with her. I'll drive, she said. There's a place I'd like to go. And so she jumped behind the wheel of the car and with the confidence of a newly licensed driver zoomed off into the foothills. And soon we found ourselves at his grave, a grave I could not have bared to visit on my own for 16 years. Alongside the headstone rested a small heart shaped rock, slightly cracked, painted by our artist daughter. On its weather surface, she had written, To my brother with love. And on the crest of the grave lay a holly bright Christmas wreath. Our number two son admitted when asked that he sent one every year. And in the chilly but somehow comforting silence, we were not prepared for our unpredictable granddaughter's next move. Once more that day, her voice, so like her father's, lifted in song, and the mountainside echoed the chorus of joy to the world. The Lord has come. On and on into infinity. And when the last pure note had faded, I felt for the first time since our son's death a sense of peace. And of the positive continuity of life, of renewed faith and hope, the real meaning of Christmas had been restored to us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He will keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed in him. When I began this sermon, I suggested that for many, time has driven a wedge, maybe, between you and your relationship with God. And it's possible, like a hammer, that the years continue to drive that wedge deeper and deeper into your heart to the point where you can only see God from a distance. And Christmas may be a memory and And maybe a a painful reminder itself. I'm sure you've heard the statistics Isaac shared this morning. How for so many Christmas is a dark, dark season. And it's a reminder of loss or regret or loneliness. Or of life that could have been. And maybe for you that's not a statistic. It may in fact be your hidden reality. This Christmas, on the authority of God's word, let me welcome you to a promise. The door is open, the light, well, it's always been on for you. Perfect peace. Your gift is waiting. As a prophet Isaiah finished the message, verse 4, he gives that invitation. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord is our rock, and he is eternal and he is yours. Would you pray with me? Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, I pray that you might, in our worship, return us to that place where we see you present. Beyond the walls and ramparts of this building, brick and mortar and wood, help us know that you are the one who is around us, above us, beneath us, and within us. And that, Lord, you are the one who holds us secure and you are the one who gives us peace. We confess that, Lord, time and sin and this world have somehow pushed us away from that reality. And so, Lord, with open hearts, we now step before you. and With our, with our hearts outstretched, we say, Lord, we trust in you. We give ourselves to you. Everything there is about us, the whole frame of our being, Lord, that which has been scarred and that, Lord, which has been lacking, all of it we give to you, and we do so because you love us, and you welcome us, and you draw us near, and in the name of Jesus Christ, you hold us close, and you make us yours. Hallelujah. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. And with that, Lord, we will find our peace. This peace that passes all understanding in the name of the one who loved us and gave himself for us, Jesus Christ, who is our Lord. In his name we pray. Amen.